Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. To a modern day feminist, what I'm about to say, uh, what we're about to read from the Word of God would cause the hair on the back of your neck to stand up and would cause you to shout, that's caveman talk. Marriage. Everybody knows that it takes a husband and wife working together to make it the best that it can be. But are there specific responsibilities for each of them? Since God is the one who has given us the gift of marriage, it makes sense to seek out what He has to say about marital roles and the responsibilities that each has. If this book, if it is inspired by God, meaning that it is truth without any mixture of error whatsoever, and the commandments given in this book are given by an all-knowing, loving God, and they are non-negotiable. Welcome to Crosswalk. We're in our series entitled, Until Death Do Us Part. It's a six-week study of some of the most important parts of marriage. We spent the first couple of weeks of this study looking at the reasons for marriage. After that, Pastor Clay took us through the realities of marriage. Last week was a biblical look at the romance of marriage. This week and next, Pastor Clay is going to walk us through what is probably the most thorough passage on marriage, Ephesians chapter 5, and a hard look at the responsibility of marriage. And those responsibilities focus around this idea of, say the word, the S word, submission. That was quieter in here than when we were talking about sex last week. And next week, the husband's responsibilities. Having a biblical perspective on our responsibilities in marriage should put us on the right track to a successful God-honoring marriage. Now, here's Pastor Clay. We've talked about the reasons for marriage, talked about the reality of marriage, talked about the romance of marriage. So sooner or later, we had to get around to the responsibilities of marriage, right? And uh, in the text, as we're looking at it today, it so happens that the responsibilities of, of the wife... Uh, come first, and, uh, and, then, and then the responsibility of a husband. Now, that's that not, not, done, not to mean that a wife needs to hear it more, because actually, the Apostle Paul, who writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, he has a lot more to say to the husbands, and we'll look at that next week. He only has a few short verses where he says something to the wives, and then most of it uh, is the responsibility of the husbands. But, um, but we've got to talk about responsibility of the wives today. And I don't mean, I don't mean, I'm kind of making a joke of it as if it's something painful, uh, but it really is, is encouraging and it really is a blessing and it really is the key to a successful home and a successful marriage is when both the, the wife and the husband understand their roles under God. Say, say under God with me, under God. When, when, when we understand those roles, and so today we're looking at the, the responsibilities of a wife and those responsibilities focus around this idea of... Say the word, the S word, submission. <laughs> that was, after you said that, that was quieter in here than when we were talking about sex last week. That was, that's amazing. Now, I understand, I know. Um, I understand that if, if, if you, and I don't know, you know, where you are, your, your whole walk with Jesus or your understanding of this or whatever else, but uh, I understand to, to a... Uh, to a, a modern-day feminist, 
what I'm about to say, uh, what we're about to read from the Word of God would, uh, would cause the hair on the back of your neck to stand up and would cause you to, to stand up and shout, that's, that's caveman talk. That's, that's nothing more than an archaic, patriotic, pa- patriotic society, a culture that, that puts men in charge to keep women down and keep men in control. It's a patriarchal, there's that word, it's a patriarchal uh, system that was developed by men to keep men with their thumbs, with women under their thumbs. <laughs> I'm so glad nobody amened that. <laughs> Right? That's, oh, how, who could possibly think that? Now, if, if this is a, a man-made book, then, then you might have an argument for that. You might be able to say, yeah, a bunch of men, you know the men, they got together down at the local pub, and they came up with this. There were about three sheets to the wind, and it all sounded like good, I don't know, I'm just talking. Right? If this is a man-made book, then you might have a good argument for that. But if, if this book was given to us by God, if it is inspired by God, meaning that it is truth without any mixture of error whatsoever, if that is the case, as I believe that it is, then the truths contained in this book are always true. And the commandments given in this book are given by an all-knowing, loving God... And they are non-negotiable. Oh, yeah, easy for a man to say that. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk this morning. We're going to read some passages of Scripture. We're going to read a little bit. And we're going to talk about this idea of submission uh, and uh, this biblical idea of submission, what it actually means versus contrary to maybe what some people think that it means on either side of that idea. Y'all ready? Baptism's coming a little bit, so we're going we're gonna to run through this uh, Pretty, pretty uh, quickly this morning. But uh, if you have your Bible with you, open it to Ephesians chapter 5. Text is going to be up on the screen as well, of course, as it is each week. And that's to help you and aid you. But uh, if you've got an electronic version or a hard copy or whatever else, I always encourage people to open a copy of God's Word. Follow along. Look at that. And, uh, and then let's, let's see what God has to say about this. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Here we go. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Father, I thank you today for this opportunity to be here. Thanks for just awesome worship today. I, I, I pray that you are pleased. And I know for you, it's, it's not about the number of instruments or, or, uh, or even whether we're singing on key and all that. I mean, I, I know it's great to be able to do that, but ultimately it's about what came from our hearts, what we expressed to you uh, from our hearts that, that may have come out of our, our hands and our vocal cords and our, and our minds. Thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you. You are so worthy and you give instruction to us for our lives. That, are, that is designed to be in our best interest as individuals, as uh, husbands and wives, as families, as a society. And so I pray today that you would just uh, make our minds, our ears open to hear the truth of your word. That, uh, that if there is any uh, 
I don't know, preconceived notions or defense mechanisms kicking in or whatever else, that we would humble ourselves uh, under your mighty hand and, uh, and that we would ultimately submit to you. That's what really this is about, we're going to be talking about, Lord. So, uh, thanks. Thanks for the privilege of being called a child of God. Thanks for every person who's here uh, this morning. God, uh, I long for, I honestly can say I long for, pray for the day that this room is filled up two or three times over. But I am so grateful today for each person that has come out and made the effort to be in this room, those that are working over there and investing in the lives of our children, uh, those that are having a part in setting up early this morning and those who will tear down at the end of the service, those who lead us in worship for every single person who's a part of the cross-culture family, for long-time parts, for first-time guests, for each one of us. You've brought us here for this moment. May you be pleased and honored and glorified and may we be edified and changed as a result of being here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, here we go. Let's, let's look at this. What's the first one? What's the first one? Here we go. A wife's submission is about God's authority over her, not her husband's. Yeah, it's okay. All right, husbands, if you want, it's okay to amen that one. That one's, a wife's submission is about God's authority over her, not her husband's. Look at verse uh, 22. I'm going to read it again. Just, and just, just listen to this. Where am I? Right here. Wives. Be subject to your own husbands, here it is, as to the Lord. In other words, submit to your husbands as an act of submitting to the Lord. That in the same way that you would submit to the Lord for anything, if he woke you up in the middle of the night and, and said, whatever, you, you, would, you would try and be... a. a Obedient to that. In the same way, wives, submit to your husbands. In other words, listen to me, ladies. It has nothing to do with your husband deserving you to submit to him. It has nothing to do with your husband uh, getting it right or getting it wrong. It has nothing to, certainly has nothing to do with your husband being superior to you or stronger than you or uh, having a a greater right than you. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with God's authority over you. And God has asked you in God's design for the family and the well-being of the structure of the family, which then affects the structure of, of a society or culture overall. God has designed this in such a way that he says to wives, wives, place yourself under the headship of your husband's. I think, um, I think it's the New Living Version kind of really captures, I think, what is the intended meaning of this verse when it says, wives, obey your husbands. In doing this, you obey the Lord. That again, it's not about him. Well, if you're here with your husband, just look at him right now and say, it is not about you. <laughs> comes as a shock to some of us. We thought the whole world revolved around us. But it's not about us. It is about him. And God has commanded, it's an imperative in the Greek, if that matters to you, submit, subject, place yourself under the authority of your husband. Well, okay. That's great, Clay. But am I supposed, what if my husband is not a believer? Or what if my husband is not not acting uh, as he should? What if my husband asked me to do something that is contrary to God's word? Am I supposed to place myself under his headship? Am I supposed to submit to what he asked me to do? It's a great question, and it's more relevant uh, than you may realize. I, a few years ago, I had a, a lady come to me, uh, come for counseling to see me. 
She'd been married for a number of years, and her and her husband, for the most part, I think, had a pretty good marriage. There were some troubles, but they had a pretty good marriage. But um, they both worked out the, outside the home. They both made a, a very good income. And uh, he was not a believer, and she was. He did not attend church, and she did. And she came to me, uh, kind of for marital counseling, but, it, well, let me explain. She, uh, as she was growing in her understanding of God's word and, and God's call in her life, uh, she came under conviction that she should be tithing uh, her income. Uh, she, she, it was black and white in God's word. She saw what it said. She, she felt God's spirit just convicting her to, to say, I want you to step up. It's not about the money. It's about trusting me. It's about faith. I want you to step up. You know, all those things that we talk about when we're, when we're dealing with that issue. And she just really felt convicted that that's what she needed to do on her income. Her husband was adamantly opposed to it. Not giving our money to that church. Have you seen what that preacher drives? <laughs> I don't know. He wants a new jet. <laughs> That's okay. Um, no, he would just add me. We're not. We're not doing. I don't want you doing. We need. We're going to do this. We're not. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. So she came to me and said, "What? Do, what do I do?" In looking back at it today, I think I gave her wrong counsel. I told her that I believed that uh, she should submit to her husband's wishes, and that by doing so, perhaps God would use that to draw uh, her husband to him. I think I was wrong. I think I was wrong. I've come to the, to the belief that I was wrong. Because if it is God that we're ultimately uh, submitting to, right? And that's, that's what this is saying. If it is God that we're ultimately submitting to here, then God's wishes and wants trump anybody else's wishes and wants every time. Would you agree with that statement? So, uh, I'm convinced that at that point in her life and in any wife's life that her husband's asking her to do something that is unbiblical, I believe the Acts 5.29 principle would kick in. Acts 5.29, if you're not familiar with it, says this, we must obey God rather than men. I believe that would apply for a wife, just for a woman, just as much as for a man, that if someone's asking you to do something, something. so so there, there, there may be cases where that's the case, but... But ultimately, it's understanding that in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, God is asking me to submit to him by submitting to my husband, by placing myself under my husband. Now, I, I meant to, to, to bring up verse 21 at the very beginning, and I didn't. But before we move on, I, I want to bring up verse uh, 21 of Ephesians. I probably started verse 22 this morning. Ephesians 5, 21 says this, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I do not believe that it is by coincidence or accident that the Apostle Paul, writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pens these words just before he launches into the role of a husband and the role of a wife. I don't think that's accidental. That the, that the intention is that there's a bigger picture at play here, not just between husbands and wives, but, but between the the humanity in general and certainly within the body of Christ. And that is, is that all of us have the responsibility to put others ahead of ourselves or above ourselves. That's really the idea of, of, of subject to one another. That's really the idea here is that, is that I think more of you and you think more of me and I think more of you and we're placing the other person above ourselves for our interests. And in the process, guess what happened? Everybody gets built up when you do it that way, rather than no, me, no, me, no, me, no, me, no, me. And everybody gets torn down. Do y'all like that physical kind of illustration here? Okay. 
All right, what time is it? Okay, let's go on. Let's go, let's go to the second one. A wife's submission is about God's responsibility for her, not her husband's. It's about God's authority over her, not her husband's. And it's about God's responsibility for you, ladies, not your husband's responsibility for you. Let me, now, uh, hold on. He does have responsibility, but let me read verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. He himself doing what was necessary to, to, to save the body, to save his, his spiritual bride, the church. Notice how Paul begins to bring uh, this spiritual analogy in when he begins to compare husbands and wives, physical husbands and wives to Christ and his spiritual bride, the church. Now, Paul's going to have a whole lot more to say about this next week as we go into the roles of a husband. You're going to have more to say about this. But the idea is that Paul's making this comparison and he's saying that in the same way that Christ nurtures and cares for and protects and empowers his bride, the church, husbands do that for their wives. They do it under the authority of God. And so ultimately, your respons- the responsibility for you ladies is not ultimately your husband's, it is God's. But he has designed this system, put the system in place whereby the responsibility falls to the husband to fulfill the role that God has given to him. Listen to me. God is holding your husband accountable. You might want to remind him of that from time to time. That's totally up to you. But God is holding your husband accountable. But ladies responsibility of you ultimately is from God. God loves his children and you are his child. He loves you. Okay? So, Clay, what happens when a husband is not being responsible? Okay, you tell me that ultimately God is responsible for me and he's, he's given husbands the responsibility under God of being responsible for me or making provision for me or, or ma- meeting my needs. What, what happens if he's not making responsible decisions in his life that directly affect me and the rest of the family? Right? Anybody? Any wife in here relate to that? Okay. First, let me say this. If you're here and you are not if you're here and you're a lady and you are not married, but that you hope to be someday, you have intentions to be, or you know, you, you have this intention that someday you're going to be married when you find the right person or you come of marrying age or whatever the case may be. If you're a lady here and you're single and you, someday you hope that you're going to marry, listen to me. This is why, this up here is why it becomes imperative. Are you listening to me, ladies? It becomes imperative that you make sure that the man you say I do to is a man of God. It, it's, it, you understand? It, it becomes imperative. And listen, listen. Sit down for this one. I know, I know that physical attraction is, is part of this whole thing. I know God's given us, that's part of the design. I, I understand physical attraction and that's a real thing and, and how that can work and, and can draw us uh, toward a person. I, I understand that. But listen to me, ladies. Washboard abs, a good-looking haircut, and a cool tattoo does not mean that he is going to take responsibility and be the man of God that he's supposed to be to you. It does not. It does not. It does not. And besides, lady on, ladies, on a practical level, <laughs> those washboard abs are probably going to turn into a washtub gut. 
and, and that good looking haircut, that hair is going to turn gray or turn loose. And that cool tattoo, trust me, is going to end up looking anything but cool. Listen, I know, I know, man, a, a, a guy that can make you laugh, funny, life of the party kind of guy, right? Man, I, I know that can be fun. But ladies, how much fun is it going to be if you're married to a man that will not take responsibility, will not, will not step up and take responsibility for his family? I'm telling you, you, you have to start. The number one criteria is not, is not how smart he is, not how good looking he is, not, not what his financial portfolio looks like. The number one criteria for you ladies, if you hope to marry someday, intend to marry someday, number one criteria, is he a man of God? Y'all listen to me back there, guys, that aren't married yet and hope to be? Now you know what all these ladies are looking for, so. Okay, hey, Clay, great, that's fantastic, but I'm already married, and and my husband's not a believer, or my husband's not acting in a responsible way. My husband's not making decisions that are in my best interest. What am I supposed to do? I'm glad I asked. Let's see if we can come up with an example of this real quick before we move on. Let's see if we can come up with an example. Um, Let's say that your husband... um, is, is searching for a new job. He, he has a job, but he just, he just wants an, another job or he's looking for something else or he's looking for a, uh, whatever. And, uh, and let's say a job offer comes along and, uh, and it pays more money, right? That's, by the way, that's almost always automatic default. Well, that must, that must be God's will. This one pays more money. And it pays more money. Now, it's going to require the family to move it's going to require that he travel extensively and be gone most of the week, missing time with his children, missing time with his wife. It's going to place him in situations where he might be more susceptible to temptation, but it pays more money, right? Come on, we, y'all know how this is. We all want to make more money. That's, that's you're right. But let's say, ladies, that you, as part of your godly responsibility as a child of God, you're praying and you're earnestly seeking wisdom for your husband, seeking direction and seeking a word from the Lord and you're praying about it and you, and you, just, you just don't have peace in this. You just don't sense this is right. Now, I understand that, you, but you just don't sense that this is, this is right. And it has nothing to do with, 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 you know, whether you like Minnesota's climate or, you know, it has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It's just that you, as you've prayed, you just don't sense that this is what God has for you. And so you go and you express that to your husband in a Christ-like manner, of course. But you go to your husband and you say something like, uh, dear, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think this is right for us. I, I know it pays more money and, and we could do some stuff with that money and it'd help with the kids' college fund and all that. But, but I just don't have a peace about this. I, I, don't, I don't want you gone from me that much. I don't know. I, I just don't sense that this is the right move. But he is convinced that it is the right move, what he should do, and that he is going to do it because uh, it, it's just the right thing to do. At that point, what does the wife do? Does she submit? Does she place herself under her husband's headship? Uh, or does she not? And by, by that, I don't mean that she says, well, fine, I'm gone. I'm walking out the door. That, you know, no, I'm saying, does she, does she accept his decision and support his decision? Or does she go kicking and screaming into the night looking for every opportunity she can to say, I told you this was not going to work. I told you this was a bad idea. I told you that you were wrong in this. At that point, I'm just telling you, at that point is a wife's responsibility under God to place herself under her husband's headship, to submit to his will 
And, and perhaps to say something like, baby, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't think this is right for us. I've expressed that to you. But I've been praying for you. And if, and if you believe that this is the right decision to make, then I'm telling you, I, I, from this moment on, I'm going to back you 110%. I'm going to back you to the hilt. You will never hear me complain. You will, well, I'll try not to complain. You'll never hear me. You'll never. <laughs> not, not talking about superwoman here or anything. I will never say to you, I told you so. We're in this together and whatever happens and happens and I'm with you. That's the biblical idea. To place yourself under his headship and submit to to his responsibility to be responsible for you under God. Not easy, right? Because, right, here's what you're thinking, ladies. But what if it turns out I'm right? What if, what if it turns out that, that it is miserable and the kids uh, have a hard time adjusting to the new schools and, and, and I end up being lonely and I'm stressed out over all the added uh, responsibilities that I have? What if what? this is not going to make you feel any better, ladies? But it's on him. It's on him. I'll say it again. God is holding your husband accountable for the responsibility that he has given to him to be responsible for you. Doesn't mean you won't suffer as a result of your husband's selfishness or, or uh, misguided decisions. You may. You may have to. But you can believe and you can trust in the fact that ultimately if God cares for you as his word says he does. And if God has the power, then you can rest in the fact that God will be responsible for you and God will be there for you. You may have to suffer. You may have to go through some things. Everybody in this life. Nobody gets a free pass in life. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying the significance of what you may have to go through. I'm just telling you that you can trust in God because that's what this ultimately is about. Not about trusting your husband to make wise decisions. You want him to. We pray he gets his act together. But ultimately it's about God's responsibility for you. And then uh, the third one this morning is this. Uh, a wife's submission is about God's expectation for her, not her husband's. Verse 24. Y'all still with me? But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. This is not about, this has never been about your husband's expectations for you. This is ultimately has always been about God's expectations for you as a wife. By the way, when the verse, again, when the verse says there, uh, be subject to your to your husbands in everything, ought to be to their husbands in everything. Again, just, just like when we talked about the authority thing, in everything that is biblical. You understand that Acts 5, 29 principle, must be God rather than men. Uh, if your husband has an expectation on you that is unbiblical, you, 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 ha- you have an obligation to submit to God and not to your husband. So if your husband says, hey, uh, pad your time card at work, uh, put down more hours than you actually work so that, so that we can make more money. Take care of the kids better. The Bible has a word for that. It's called stealing. God would not expect you to steal. So you are under no obligation to fulfill your husband's expectations. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you with me? It's about God's expectations on your life and not, not your husband's. It's about what God wants for your life, not your husband. So, let's look at a few verses that deal with God's expectations for your life. Let's start with this one uh, in, in Ephesians 5. It's that last part. We'll actually see it again next week. 
uh, he, come, he comes back around and closes with this mention of the wife. He says, the wife must see to it that she respect her husband. Take note of that word, respect. Um, look at uh, Colossians chapter 3. Wives, yield to the authority of your husbands because this is the right thing to do. Finish it, say it, in the Lord. Again, had nothing to do with him. He's being a knothead. Yield to your husband's. It's the right thing to do in the Lord. We've, we've talked about some of the ex, exceptions that might be to that. But Titus 2, 4 and 5. Uh, these older women. Paul's talking about how older women and, and older men should guide and counsel younger women and younger men. It's a thing that's being lost, I'm afraid, in the church to a large degree. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands then they will not bring shame on the word of God. What? That's what it says. Okay, and then First uh, Peter chapter 3. In the same way, you wives, be submissive. That word's shown up several times, hasn't it? Be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word. Notice this, even if they're, they're, they're not even believers. They may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they ob- observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold, ju- gold jewelry or putting on dresses. Paul says that, yeah, don't let that be what attracts your husband to you or anybody else, that people notice you or whatever else. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God, ladies. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own. Paul says, or, or Peter says, that's how they adorn themselves, by being submissive to their own husbands. Okay, so uh, this, this may not be an exhaustive list, but based on those expectations uh, that we found in those verses, let me just give you, you can fill in some blanks if you like to fill in blanks of uh, some of the expectations. God's expectations for wives. Start, start with this one. Respect her husband. We saw that word in there, right? Respect her husband. Respect her husband. Oh, clearly you do not live in my household. I cannot respect a man that makes the decisions that he makes. I cannot respect a man that does what he does. I cannot respect a man that makes the sounds that he makes. I I can't respect a man like that. Listen to me. What are you doing? What are you doing at that point? You're going back to performance. It's becoming about performance and not about faith. It's not about him. You're commanded to respect him. You may not respect an action that your husband takes, but God is asking you to respect him, respect the husband, respect the the role and responsibility that God has given to him. Second, honor her husband. God expects wives to a wife to honor her husband. Now, obviously, respect and honor go hand in glove. Obviously, they're, they're crucial for this, but this idea of honoring your husband. Does, does your husband, can I, ladies, can I just ask you, does your husband know that you respect and honor him? Do you tell him that you respect and honor him? Do you show him, do you tell other people how much you respect and honor your husband? A, a couple weeks ago, earlier in this series, I, I made mention of the fact that security as a general rule, security is a really big deal for wives. 
women in general, the idea of knowing that the bills are going to be paid or I know where I'm going to be next week. Or just, that idea of security is a big deal to wives and husbands have to pay attention to that. And we'll talk about that some next week. But ladies, this is a big deal to husbands to know that they are respected and honored. And I don't mean, I don't mean in an arrogant, prideful, unbiblical way. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, just to, yeah, look at him, I'm awesome. I don't, I don't mean that. But that, that she genuinely respects who he is. She, she, she knows he's not perfect. Goodness gracious. She knows that he, he, he doesn't get it right. But she respects who he is. She respects what God has called him to do. She respects the, the, the responsibility that God has given to him. To respect him. To honor him. It's a big deal, ladies. And then third, uh, God expects a wife to love her husband. Do you love your husband? Do you? All right. One of y'all do. No, no, I know y'all were all thinking it. But I mean, do do you do you show it? Do you say it? Do you express it? Do does your husband know you love him? Does he see that love? Does does he feel it expressed toward him? Do you love your husband? We saw it in those verses. It's an expectation that God has for you. I uh, was counseling a, a gentleman, a man, a few years ago who was struggling in his marriage because his wife um, did not respect him, did not honor him, and had expressed that she had very little love for him. She agreed to come in and see me. She came one time to see me. I seem to have a track record of one-time one time deals. I, I don't know. I'm not, not a good counselor, apparently. Uh, she, she came to see me one time because I told her in the course of this, you know, she's just throwing him under the bus and backing over it and reverse and backing over it, you know, several times. And uh, so finally I said, you are, I looked her right in the eye, I said, you are commanded to love your husband. And I'm telling you, it, she's like, what? How can I love my husband when he does so many things that make me angry? How can I love my husband when, when he acts so stupid at times, there's no, are the children in here? I, I said the S word. I've, I've learned as a grandparent, I can't, I'm not supposed to say stupid. Uh, is, are you out of your mind? How can I love him? And here's what I said to her. I said, what you've just described is, is an emotion. It's a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is not based on an emotion. Love is based on obedience. Love is based on obedience. Will y'all say that with me? Love is based on obedience. Love is a command. Love is a verb. We've all heard that. It's an action. And God is asking you to take action and love your husband, ladies. And it has nothing to do. Now listen, I, I know. I'm not saying emotion isn't part of of love, it is. I understand it. Love has emotion in it or to it. But love is not purely emotion. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's something much more than that. Love is an action and you are commanded to love your husband. So when he's being a... Uh, when he's... <laughs> okay, he's getting on your nerves... He's looking a lot like the southbound end of a northbound mule. Whatever the case is, he, you know, when, when he gets that way, here's what you got to remember. Whew. Whew. 
This is not about that guy. This is about me and him. I love him. I honor him. I respect him. I'm obedient to him. I'm placing myself under his authority. And he is, what? Are you sure? Okay. I'm going to love him. I know that's not easy in the moment. I'm just telling you that, that this, is, this is what God has called us to. And then the last thing, and then we'll, we'll close. Yield to her husband. God expects a wife to yield to her husband. Now, I use that word, ladies. I thought maybe it would sound better than submit uh, to your husbands. But you're all, you're all smart ladies. You all understand. It means the same thing. To place yourself under his authority in the home. Yield to his will. When it does not conflict with the will of God, the, as, as stated in the word of God. And let me say, give a word of caution here, ladies. Make sure if you, if you come to some area where you think you have grounds to not submit to your husband, make sure that it's based solidly in the word of God and not based on the fact that you just don't like it or you just don't like the way he's acting or you just don't feel like doing it. You understand what I'm saying? Make sure that it's based on what God's word says, okay? But submission, while it is an ugly word for the most part in our culture today, it is, still, it is not an ugly word to God when it's understood from a biblical position. That your submission is based on God's authority over you, not your husband's authority over you. No husband has the right, you listen to me guys, no husband ever has the right to force his wife to submit. A wife because of a relationship with God, voluntarily chooses to place herself under husband. Doesn't mean she has to, has to stay in a situation that is, that is dangerous or violent for her. It means in, in the home that, that God has given to her, within the guidelines God gives them, she is to submit to God's authority by submitting to her husband in the home. And the responsibility ultimately is God's as he's given it to the husband. And the expectation ultimately is God's. Not what your husband expects from you. And the next time your husband says, well, I expect you to do blah, 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 blah. Ladies, you can say, well, let me consult with God about that. See if he has that same expectation. Now, the point is, is that submission is not a bad word. That used and done properly, it's very good. It's a home that is, that is managed well and balanced. And, and we've got the balance coming next week. The teeter-totter went this way. It's going the other way next week with husbands. So hold on. Come back. But it's the, the, it's the formula God put together for a home that, that works. When it works well, it works very, very well. Well, we certainly hope today's message is one that wives will find beneficial and that will strengthen marriages. In listening to today's message, I couldn't help but think about how far our society has moved from a biblical understanding of the role of a wife. Submission is certainly not a word that sits well with many in today's culture. But as Pastor Clay explained today, submission, as God defines it, doesn't restrict a woman. In fact, when a wife understands her role in her marriage, she is set free to be all that God has called her to be. And her marriage becomes something beautiful and fulfilling. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. 
Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross-Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross-Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.